0: وهو الولي الحميد ومن آياته خلق السماوات والأرض وما بث فيهما من داب وهو على جمعهم إذا يشاء قدير وما أصابكم بِمَا كَسَبَتْ أَيْدِيكُمْ فَبِمَا كَسَبَتْ أَيْدِيكُمْ وَيَعْفُو عَنْ كَثِيرٍ وَمَا أَنْتُمْ بِمُعْجِزِينَ فِي الْأَرْضِ وَمَا لَكُمْ مِنْ دُونِ اللَّهِ مِنْ وَلِيٍّ وَلَا نَصِيرٍ ومن آياته الجوار في البحر كالأعلام إن يشأ يسكن الريح فَيَظْلَلْنَ رواكد على ظهره إن في ذلك لآيات لكل صبار شكور أو يوبقهن بما كسبوا ويعفو عن كثير ويعلم الذين يجادلون في آياتنا ما لهم من محيص فما أوتيتم من شيء فَمَتَاعُ الحياة الدنيا وما عند الله خير وأبقى للذين آمنوا وعلى ربهم يتوكنون
1: Assalamu salamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Alhamdulillah, hamdin kathiran tayyiban mabarakin fiekuna yuhibbu rabbuna wa yaradha. Wa sallallahu ala nabi Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallama tasleeman kathira. Good morning to everybody. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless you all. Thank you all for joining me this morning. Uh Inshallah ta'ala, we are going to continue reading from the book, The 70 Laws of Virtue. The Untold Story of Prophet Yusuf. Alhamdulillah. For those of you who have placed an order uh, within the past two weeks, uh, your orders will go out on Tuesday, inshallah. Alhamdulillah. We just restocked the book. So we are, you know, we're good. Alhamdulillah. So all orders that were placed within the last two weeks, if you haven't um, If you have placed the order within the past two weeks and you haven't received your book, you haven't received your book because um, the book was out of stock. Uh, so alhamdulillah, we have restocked the book inshallah and all orders will go out on Tuesday. JazakumAllahu khairan. All right? Mm-hmm. So if you haven't purchased the book, you can go to our website, www.roldamasjid.com. Rolda Masjid, no, it's not on Kindle yet. It's not on Kindle yet. Inshallah, uh, it will be. All right. So um, we were, we are um, in the process of putting it on Amazon. So those of you who can per- want to purchase it, you can purchase it on Amazon. And here's the kicker: you can actually purchase the book with a hard copy, uh, the hard cover. All right. So if you don't want this this cover, this type of paperback cover, you can actually purchase it on Amazon. Um, probably within the next few days there's still some tweaking we need to do to make sure that we are uh, within standards inshallah um guys that are that are on just please ignore ignore the comments you know ignore the comments and focus all right uh if the person posts something else that is in, inappropriate inshallah uh I will um I will block them say less um my block game is strong all right. So you will be able in the um, in the next couple of days, in the next couple of days, probably by Wednesday, inshallah, um, you can uh, you can actually purchase the book uh, on Google. Uh, I mean, Amazon, and you can purchase it with a hard copy. The The hardcover, op- obviously, the hardcover option will be uh, a little bit, a little bit more, um, but you will be able to purchase it with a hardcover if that's what you want. All right, so today we will be reading from law number 68. All right, for those of you who are just joining us, this book, The 70 Laws of Virtue, written much like the 48 Laws of Power, uh, where it is principle based, where we went through the story of Prophet Yusuf in the Quran. And we were able to extract from his story laws, lessons, principles that we can apply to our lives, but Idninahi Ta'ala. Yes, I am running the divorce remedy course. We started last Thursday. Uh, we, we had one class so far, which was the introduction. So if you are still interested in joining the um, um, if you're still interested in joining the divorce remedy course, please send me an email so we can get you into the class, inshallah, Muhammad at gmail.com. Um, sorry, g, yeah, gmail.com. Imam Muhammad at gmail.com. Um, you can send in uh, send me an email, inshallah, we'll um, register you in, get you in the class. The course is $250 for five weeks, uh, help you with some tools to get your marriage on board so that you don't have to opt for divorce because you are lacking in tools. All right, so we are going to, um, uh, let me just go ahead and. Alright, so Chantel is blocked. So don't keep engaging her. Ignore her. All right. I see the messages come up and sometimes I, I ignore them intentionally, hopefully, hopefully giving them an opportunity to self-correct. And when they don't self-correct, then I just block them. No need for you guys to I appreciate the defense and I, I may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward you. But don't let anybody steal from you. Don't let anybody steal your opportunity to learn your religion. And that's what people do, they come on. I don't know how they found it, how they logged on. They come on, they log on, and then they just begin spewing their, you know, whatever it is they're into, all right? But let me handle that, all right? She's blocked. Say less. All right, we're on law number 68. Every sickness is cured with its opposite, all right? No, you can't get the book on Amazon yet. I said in about three days, there's still some things that we need to, Amazon has some really strict... Um, conditions. And so I'm, I'm trying to take the time out now while we have a few days off to um, tweak everything to make sure that it meets their standards. So I would say around Wednesday, I'll let everybody know when they can purchase it from um, from Amazon, inshallah. I'll let you guys know I'll put out a post and let you know inshallah. Alright, so we're reading on page uh, 333. For those of you who have the book, 333 law number 68, every sickness is cured with its opposite. Let me share something with you guys before we move forward. The beauty of someone writing a book and being able to teach from their book is that you are hearing it directly from the person who authored the book. It's not like um, 20 years from now, if I'm no longer here, Allah forbid, I'm no longer here and somebody taking my book and explaining my words, right? And this is what happens with, you know, a lot of students of knowledge. They take books from scholars and they try their best. They open the book, you know, they're reading Arabic, trying to translate, which is a a whole nother challenge. They're translating from Arabic to English, which is a challenge. And then they're trying to explain the words of the sheikh who wrote the book. They might get it right. They might not get it right. Who's to say that that's what the sheikh meant when he said that? You understand what I'm saying? So that is the danger with that. So writing our own material and then being able to explain our own material, it removes the middleman. Nobody has to come along 10 years from now, 15 years from now, pick up this book and explain it in their words. You understand? This is the beauty of benefiting from me still being alive and being able to explain my own material. All right. And this is a great blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because there was a time when I would be sitting in front of people and I would have a book in all Arabic and I would be translating the book and explaining the words of somebody else. And alhamdulillah, fast forward in today's time, I've written my own book, one of many books, and I'm sitting in front of you and I am explaining my own words. How about that? How about that? I try not to put too much thought into that because that'll break me down. Never in a million years could I have thought that I would be writing my own material, much less standing in front of the Muslim community explaining my own words. So that's that within itself is a blessing. And for all of the students and knowledge out there, this is the end goal of our teaching. This is the end goal of our learning. The end goal of our learning is not for you to go through a rigorous academic program like the Islamic University, graduate and then come back home to a particular group of people that you are servicing and take a book in all Arabic and explain it, somebody else's words to your people. That's not the end goal, man. We missing the point. That's not the end goal. The end goal is for you to take the knowledge, the information, the tools that the Islamic University gave you and be able to service your people in a way where they can understand. Writing for them, explaining for them. That is what this, this is the end goal. And if this is not the end goal for you as a student of knowledge, I'm sorry. You're going to spend the rest of your life translating and explaining somebody else's words that were written at another time for another group of people that you might get it right and you might not get it right. You might get it right and you might not get it right. And God forbid you are socially disconnected and even if you get it right, you still are not able to connect it to the people that you're talking about. The, the people that you're talking to. This is the end goal. At any rate, I'm, I'm grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Humbled. Humbled. You know, beyond words. Beyond words, man. SubhanAllah. All right. So every sickness is cured with its opposite. So let me give you the ayah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Yusuf. Yusuf says to his brothers, Idhabu bi go with this shirt of mine. Take this shirt of mine and go back to Palestine and throw it over the face of your father. And his eyesight will return back to him. What to be Ahlikum and bring all of your family to me here in Egypt. All right. Let me give you some context here. So this is around the time when the brothers of Yusuf came back for the second time. And Yusuf finally exposes to them that, hey, I am Yusuf. I am your brother Yusuf. Right. So he finally exposes to them who he is. By this time, we're on page 332. We're on page 332. By this time, um, Prophet Yakub, prophet Jacob, his father is already blind. He went blind in both of his eyes out of crying profusely over the loss of both of his sons. All right. So his father's blind. Yusuf is now impacted, affected by this because he could have said from the the very beginning that I'm Yusuf, I'm still alive, but he had to find a strategic way to get to his family because You know, in his own way, in his own wisdom, he decided to do it like this. But now the father, Yaqub, old man, prophet of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, who has now lost both of his sons, loses his eyesight over crying profusely, over stress. Yusuf says, take my shirt, takes his shirt off of his back and gives it to the brothers and tells the brothers, go back to Palestine and throw my shirt over his face and his eyesight will return back to him. SubhanAllah, I want you guys to just ponder on that for a moment, throw, throw my shirt over his eye, over his face and his eyesight will return back to him and then bring your whole entire family to me here in Egypt. The law here is that every sickness is cured with this opposite. Pay attention to the law because the law applies to many areas of our lives, very different different facets of our lives. This particular law applies to that. Look at where you are sick, and for that sickness, the cure is its opposite. Look at how you got sick, and I'm not talking about just physically, I'm talking about spiritually, mentally, emotionally. You look at all of the areas of your life where you might be suffering, and the cure to that suffering is the opposite. It's very simple. We overcomplicate things. Pay attention to how this unfolds. If losing Yusuf and now Benjamin was the cause of Prophet Ya'qub's stress, his distress, which ultimately led to him losing his eyesight, then finding them would be the cure. What led Prophet Yusuf to go down, Prophet Ya'qub, to go down this road of distress, to go down this road of being overwhelmed to the point of him losing his eyesight, losing his two sons. So the cure for that would be to find them. This story began with Yusuf's shirt. If You remember, this story began with Yusuf's shirt, which was brought to Ya'qub in a vain attempt to add credence to the lie about him being eaten by a wolf. Now, the shirt, the same, not the same shirt, but another shirt that belongs to Yusuf, bearing Yusuf's scent, was being brought to him in an effort to relieve his pain and suffering. Another shirt. So the shirt was brought to Ya'qub at the beginning with the blood on it, which which was initially the start of his pain, right? That was the start of his pain, the shirt. They brought the shirt to Prophet Ya'qub, and they said a wolf ate him while we were playing. We weren't paying attention. And it was from that point that Prophet Ya'qub, you know, started to go down this road of stress, distress, feeling overwhelmed, vulnerability, all of those things that led to him losing his eyesight. Now, Yusuf says, take my shirt, the same shirt bearing his scent. That was the purpose of the shirt, because the shirt had his scent on it. And he knew that his father would be able to smell the shirt and immediately know that Yusuf was still alive. Subhanallah. Because he was blind, so he couldn't see. So how would he know that Yusuf was still alive? Take my shirt. My shirt has my scent on it. He's my father, my dad. He knows my scent. He knows my scent. Every single one of us has a body odor. Every one of us has a body odor. And we know the body odor of the people that are in our houses, right? As a a father, as you know, one of your sons, you know how he smells, right? If one of your sons come in the house and he's sweaty, I can walk in my house and smell musk, smell sweat. I know exactly which child it is. Right or wrong. And and that's for the, the dads that, you know, decide to stick around and hang around and, you know, stay in their children's life. Something so intimate, like what one of your children smell like. Something so intimate that only an active father would know that. Only an active father would know the scent of his sons. Right now, I could walk in my house. My kids could have been outside playing football, basketball, whatever the case may be. I could walk in my house right now and smell the smell of sweat, musk, I know exactly which child it is. That is something very intimate that only an active father in the life of his children would know. So the same shirt that caused Ya'qub the distress and the pain that he was, right? The same shirt that caused him that trauma he's now using the same shirt to relieve that to to alleviate that pain, right? So by smelling Yusuf's scent on the shirt, Prophet Ya'qub's eyesight would not only return to him, but would also be, would also, but so would his spirit. It wouldn't just be his eyesight that returns to him, but also his spirit. His spirit was stolen from him, was taken from him because of, you know, the whole situation, the whole, you know, You understand? So it wouldn't be just his eyesight returning to him, but also his spirit, which has suffered for so many years under the worry and stress of a situation that was predetermined 50,000 years before the existence of human beings. Meaning, this whole situation was predetermined before Prophet Yaqub was even born. This whole entire situation was predetermined before Prophet Ya'qub, before human beings were brought into existence. There was nothing that he could have done to avoid any of this. This was something that was hadran makdura. This is something that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had already decreed and there was nothing that he could do about it. Prophet Ya'qub and his family, along with the surrounding areas, not only suffered from the drought of food supplies, but they also suffered from the drought of family and unity. So while, the, so while Palestine and the surrounding areas were suffering from drought, right? They were not only just suffering from drought of food supplies, but they were also suffering from the drought of family and unity. Their family was broken. If you think about it, their family was broken. Prophet Ya'qub lost his wife. Rahil, the mother of Yusuf and Benjamin, lost his wife. The brothers—they were treacherous. They were disunited. They tried to get rid of Yusuf. They threw Yusuf into a well, sold him into slavery. He disappeared. Then years later, they, then they lied to the father. So there's a break in the unity, break in the trust. They lied to the father. Then he lost Benjamin years later. This is a broken family, man. This is a broken family. Can you not see this? So they were not only suffering from the drought of food and food supplies. They were also suffering from the drought of family and unity. This this was a broken family, man. So if we had to do, you know, a study or a study of what a broken family looks like and what happens to the family when, you know, these things start to break down, these essential elements that keep a family unified. This would be the poster the poster child for that research. This is a broken family. There's lies, there's treachery, there's stress, there's, you know, vulnerability, there's, you know, and this is what we see in many, this is a reflection of many of our families. This is a reflection of many of our families. Some people go on in, in life to be successful. Some people remain the same who they were. Some parents, you know, still suffering under the you know the, the pressure of you know the worry and stress that they've held on to for also for, for all of these years. Grandma, grandpa, moms. There's deceit, right? There's lies, there's broken broken trust. This is an example of a broken family. And this is also an example of how to heal a broken family. This is also an example of how to, you know, how to heal a broken family. SubhanAllah. Prophet Yaqub and his family along with the surrounding areas, not only suffered from the drought of food supplies, but also suffered from the drought of family and unity. Human beings are communal creatures by nature. I want you guys to pay attention to this. Human beings are communal creatures by nature. And in the absence of familial relations and connections, one may begin to feel disconnected from the greater experience of his journey. Studies have shown that people who have healthy relationships with their family and communities are happier, have fewer health problems, and live longer. I'll say that again. I'll say that again. People who have, studies have shown that people who have healthy relationships with their families and communities are happier, they have fewer health problems, and they tend to live longer. It's a wonder that we have so many young people dying today, so many people, you know, trying, making attempts to commit suicide and sometimes being successful. SubhanAllah This is why people have no connection to family, community. We're all individualists living our own individual lives. The only time people come together is for Christmas. Thanksgiving, and then people disperse back out into their areas of the world and never to be seen again until there's a funeral. There's no connection to family, no connection to community. Conversely, the lack of familial and social relationships tend to lead to depression, health problems, and is associated with increased mortality. You understand? Let me say that again conversely the lack of familial and social relationships tend to lead to depression health problems and is associated with increased mortality subhanallah and when you think about it this is what is happening in today's time because there and i mean think about somebody who converts to islam i want you guys to take a moment right? Step outside of yourselves for a moment. Take take a, take a look at somebody who converts to Islam and they leave everything. Their families disown them. They have no connection with their families anymore because they became Muslim. God forbid a woman, right? Conversed, converts to Islam and they cut off all ties. Well, their family cuts off all ties with them. And the only thing that they have is the Muslim community. That now becomes their family, only to convert to Islam and find the Muslims so disunified, so fragmented, so separated. Find Muslims that will befriend you, you know, to take advantage of you. Muslims will befriend you to take advantage of you. How in the world does a Muslim befriend somebody who's a new convert to take advantage of them? How do you do that? How do you do that? Man, subhanAllah, man. This is wallahi, we need a reset button. We need a reset button, man. How do you befriend somebody that you know is a new Muslim, doesn't really know anybody, doesn't really, you know, and you know, and you befriend them to take advantage of them. How do you, as a woman? You know, see a new Muslim sister in the masjid, know that she's a new convert and introduce her to one of your husband's friends to get her married. Knowing that she's a new convert, she doesn't know anything about Islam, she doesn't know anything about marriage. She knows nothing. She's not ready to get married. She's still trying to find herself. And the first thing you do is introduce her to your husband's friend who you know ain't ish. You know he ain't ish. But you'll introduce this new convert woman who can't even defend herself, doesn't know enough about Islam to defend herself, doesn't know much about herself as a new Muslim to defend herself. And then you'll introduce her to your husband's friend who just got out of a marriage, who was being, you know, was beating his wife, was cheating on his wife. And you'll introduce this woman who's a new convert to your husband's friend to marry him. She marries him, he dogs her, does the same thing to her that he did to the previous. Wallahi, you got to answer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for that. Wallahi, you as a woman, if you introduce a woman who's a new shahada to a Muslim man for marriage, and you know that that Muslim man is not going to do right by her, Wallahi, you have to answer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You have to answer to Allah. You are the devil's advocate. You are the devil's advocate because you played a part in that. You played a part. And if that woman, lo and behold, if that woman decides to leave Islam, that woman decides to apostate, that woman decides to go back to Christianity, that woman decides to leave Islam, you are a part of that. And you have to answer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for that. I hope you have a response. And you saying, oh, I just want it good for the sister. I'm sorry, that's not going to work. That's not going to work. Because you didn't want good for the sister. If you wanted good for the sister, you would have never introduced her to marriage. You would have never shamed her, blamed her, made her feel guilty that she's single. You would have never made her feel like that in order to incentivize her marrying your husband's friend. You would have never done that. You didn't want good for her. And this is like, subhanAllah, we are so self-destructive as a people. We're so self-destructive as a people. SubhanAllah, man. And there's too many stories like this, man. Stop introducing people to marriage. Stop being the one to tell somebody, oh, you need to get married. You don't know what that person needs to do. I mean, it's, it's sick, man. It's sick. It really starts to make me question, like, what are we doing here? It really starts to make me question, like, what are we doing here? I literally sometimes, some of the stories that I hear, some of the stuff that I'm made privy to, man, I literally start to feel like, man, when is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala going to call me back, man? Because this, this stuff is for the birds, man. This stuff is crazy, man. you start to feel like, man, I don't belong here, man. I'm just here living out my time, man. You just feel like you are really in prison, man. It gives life to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam statement a dunya mu'min, or that this dunya, this world, is a prison for the believers. This world is a prison for the believer and it's paradise for the disbeliever. For the person who has no consciousness of God, Enjoy this is your world for the person who is God conscious. Man, you just ready to go. (laughs) Ready to go, man. Whenever when it's my time, I'm ready to go. This joint is for the birds. This dunya is cursed. And anybody who wants to be a part of it, enjoy. But you do have to answer for a lot. You do have to answer your choice, man. Your choice. Studies have shown that people who have healthy relationships with their families and communities, they have fewer health problems, they live longer, and they have healthier lives, they live healthier lives. And people who have a lack of familial and social relationships, they tend to suffer from depression, they tend to have more health problems and, it is associated with increased mortality thus it is no coincidence that in the islamic tradition visiting the sick is highly encouraged and even considered the right of the one of the muslim over another this is the right of a muslim over another muslim that when they are sick you go to visit them and the reason why right going to visit the sick if you talk to anybody who's a nurse or a doctor, when you look at patients who are in the hospital and they have family members that come visit them, they tend to heal quicker. They tend to heal quicker. In contrast to somebody who's just sitting in the hospital, nobody comes to visit them, nobody calls, nobody you know sees them, nothing. That they tend to heal, take a long, longer time to heal if they even heal at all. The Prophet ﷺ said, Hakul Muslim ala al-Muslim khamsa. The right of a Muslim over another Muslim are five. The rights of a Muslim over another Muslim are five. And that is to return the, the greeting of peace when it is offered. When a Muslim says to you, Assalamu alaikum, it becomes their right that you respond back with, Wa alaikum assalam. That's the right of a Muslim over another Muslim. Something as basic and as simple as that we struggle with. Because I don't like you, so when you give me the greeting of salam, I'm gonna act like I didn't hear you. How childish! What if I told you you could still dislike me and give me my greeting of salam? You don't have to like me personally to say well, wa alaikum assalam. You can still dislike me. You can still hate my guts. It's fine. That's cool. Because you have to live with that. I don't. That's you. But you can still give a person the greeting of the salam and not necessarily like them personally. The greeting of salam is not a personal liking of someone. It's wishing peace on the person, making dua that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give that person peace, you know, in their life. I don't have to like you to wish good for you. So, so childish, man. But the right of a Muslim over another Muslims are five. That when they give you the greeting of salam, the greeting of peace, you return the greeting. Wa alaykum as-salam. And when the person is sick, that you go visit them. That's, of course, if they want you to visit them. To accompany the funeral procession, right? The person has a janaza. then we go, we pray over them and then we follow the body to the, the graveyard. And when an invitation is extended, person is getting married, person is, you know, child is getting married, grandchild is getting married and they invite you, then, um, then you go and you you respond, you entertain the, um, you know, you oblige the invitation. And when the Muslim sne- sneezes and says Alhamdulillah, then you say Yurahmukullah. And even if a Muslim sneezes and they don't say Alhamdulillah, then give them a little nudge, give them a little nudge. Don't say, well, they didn't say alhamdulillah, so I'm not going to say ya Do you want good for the Muslim or well, you don't? If the Muslim sneezes, say, I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. Did you say, oh, oh alhamdulillah. Oh, okay, yarhamukallah." You just give them a light reminder. That's it. When a Muslim sneezes and they don't say alhamdulillah, don't just ignore it. Say to them, I'm sorry, what, what did you say? Did you say something? Oh, oh alhamdulillah. Maybe they forgot. Maybe they, did, they didn't know. And then you just say, Ya you remind them, you give a, a little nudge. That's a Muslim who wants good for their brother and their sister in Islam. Yusuf's family now had now totaled over 70 men and women and children. And he sent for them all to join him in Egypt, which was the fulfillment of his dream from the very beginning. It's the fulfillment of the dream from the very beginning. So when the brothers returned to Palestine and approached with the shirt bearing the smell of Yusuf, Prophet Ya'qub could sense his presence. And this is the, the not necessarily the beauty, but the, the wisdom of Allah, the fairness and justice of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that when he takes one faculty away from you, it enhances the other faculties. So if you look at a person who is blind, a lot of times their other faculties are enhanced to overcompensate for the loss of, of, of their eyesight so they can hear better. They can hear better. I've been in a room with people who are blind and they know exactly what direction of the room that you're in by the smallest little breathing. They can hear your breathing. They know where you are. I joke around with Hassan Clay a lot of times. I say, you know, like you could really see, dude. Like, I mean, like he does some amazing things when you are around him. You like, there's no way that this guy is blind, man. Like their senses have increased and this is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's way of maintaining balance. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says Allah is fair and Allah is just. He's not going to take one faculty away from you and then allow that faculty to, you know, weigh down all of the other faculties. He takes one faculty from you and then he increases the sense the, the other faculties. So the sense of smell, the sense of hearing, the sense of, you know, cognition, all of those cognitions, you know, increase his awareness. All of those other faculties increase because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala took one faculty from you. And so those other faculties overcompensate for that loss. This is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy. This is God's mercy. This is Allah's way of being just and fair, even as it relates to taking one of our faculties. You think of a a guy that, that cannot use his legs, his upper body becomes even more strong because he has to use the upper body now for everything and they can actually do things with their upper body that they couldn't do when they had their legs. SubhanAllah. So when the the brothers approached Palestine, as they are getting closer to the house, Prophet Yaqub can smell the shirt. He can smell Yusuf's fragrance. He He can smell his presence. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala captures this in the Qur'an. Allah says, as the caravan set out from Egypt, their father said, indeed, I can smell the fragrance of Yusuf. Before they even approached the house, before they even approached the house, Ya'qub's sense of smell, he said, I can smell Yusuf. Though you may think that I am weak in judgment, right, because that's what we tend to think about a person who has lost their sense of sight or they've lost a particular faculty, we think that they are weak in judgment. And because Ya'qub has been crying you know, over and over profusely, they thought that he's now not only losing his eyesight, but also losing his mind. Ibn Kathir, he mentioned in his commentary that the brother who threw the shirt over Prophet Ya'qub's face was the same brother who brought him the bloody shirt at the beginning of the story. The same brother, I guess the brothers felt like, well, you were the one who, th- you know, who brought him the bloody shirt from the beginning. So it- it's only right that you be the one who throws the shirt over his face. He was the face behind Prophet Ya'qub's pain. And now he is the face behind his joy and pleasure. As Allah says in the Quran, jazatun wifaqa. An appropriate consequence. An appropriate consequence. Jazatun wifakha. Right. If you are, and the point that we get from here is that if you are the cause of somebody's pain, then you should also be the cause of their of their joy and their pleasure. So, as a man, if you are, are the cause of you know the pain that your wife is experiencing, then also be the cause of her joy and pain. Correct the situation. As a woman, if you are the cause of your husband's pain, if you are the cause of your children's pain, then double back and be the cause of their joy and their pleasure. Go back and correct the situation. Go back and correct the situation. You were the cause of the pain. Don't walk away from the situation and leave somebody else to correct that because that's what we do, especially as men. That's what we do. We cause a lot of pain in in the life of a woman and then we walk away from that situation and leave somebody else to come and correct when you have the ability to correct that. Closure with just, I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry I ruined your life. I'm sorry that I met you at a time where I was not mature enough to appreciate who you are and what you are and what you represented to my life. I'm sorry, you understand? I'm sorry. And sometimes that's that's the closure that a person needs in their life. No, we walk away from the situation thinking, no, nah, it was your fault. If you would have just acted right, we'd have still been together. This could be us if you was if, if you would have just got your stuff together, right? And then you walk away thinking that you didn't do anything wrong and you leave somebody else to fix that problem. No, you are the cause of the pain, be the cause of the joy and the pleasure. Be, a, be the cause of the of, of the person's you know, joy and pleasure. Go back to the person, you know, even if it's years later and the person might not necessarily need it. But at the same token, I just want to clear my conscience. You know, I met you at a time in my life where I wasn't prepared. I wasn't mature enough, you know, to receive you. I asked the law, ta'ala. we ask a law for things sometimes and we ask God for things and sometimes we're not ready. We haven't been prepped to receive it. And yes, it does help with the guilt that you may feel later on down the line. Very good, Sister Sharice. Absolutely. It helps you deal with your guilty conscience. You know, sometimes we have survivor's guilt, right? We have survivors' guilt, especially as men. We have survivor's guilt. Let me tell you how. You are in a relationship with a woman. And you can see the growth and, you know, you can see all of these things that attracted you to the woman, but you know that you are not in a position to receive that. You are not in a position. You are not in a position to receive that person. You are not even mature enough. You are not secure enough. You are not in a position to welcome that person into your life, but you did anyway. And you made a mess of that person's life because of your immaturity, your insecurities in that person's life. And then you leave that person. And then you begin to mature. And then you go into another relationship. And you're now mature enough because of the previous experiences, but you feel guilty that I'm able to give this person now what I couldn't give this person years ago. And that survivor's guilt that I made it out of, and the woman may have gone on to remarry and remarry and remarry again because of the trauma and the pain that you caused her. And while she wallows in the trauma that you are responsible for, you are able to capitalize off of that traumatic situation and move on and give somebody else something that you couldn't even give that person. And there's a guilt, survivor's guilt that is associated with that. That's a fact. That is a fact. And so while you're in this current relationship and you're doing well in this current relationship, there's a part of you that feels horrible that you've taken from that situation and matured, but you couldn't give it to that person at that time. Yeah. And let me tell you something else that goes along with that. You might actually begin to self-sabotage. You might be able to sabotage. You might, that guilt may lead you to sabotage the situation because deep down inside, you tell yourself, I don't deserve this. I don't deserve this. And so you'll start to do things that will sabotage your current relationship because it's going so well, but deep down inside, you know, you don't deserve it all of the lives that you've ruined, all of the relationships that you've sullied because of your immaturity, your insecurity. And you may start to say to yourself, I don't deserve this level of happiness. And you start to do things to sabotage your own relationship. Stop me when I'm lying. It happens. Only honest men will agree to that, but it happens may not happen to everybody, but it does happen. And for women as well, for women as well. That survivor's guilt is real, it's real. Scholars assert that this verse is evidence to show the permissibility of offering a gift when giving good news. It also points to the fact that many times our sickness is cured with its opposite. The cure is found in our obedience. If the sickness that we are experiencing is the result of our sinful behavior and acts of disobedience. So everything that is associated